The boys are off tonight. I'm Jesse Rogers. 30 minutes left in the show. We've got the New Orleans Bowl coming up at 7.30. Hope you're having a good holiday season. If you want to talk to my next guest, 312-332-3776 is the number. If you have a question, he's got a sarcastic answer for you. He certainly does on Twitter, at John underscore Greenberg. It's the fine columnist and my good friend from The Athletic, John Greenberg. What's up, John? Jesse, long time no see. Yeah, exactly. A few hours ago at Wrigley Field, I saw your uh, column just posted. Let me give you the, everybody the headline. Is Dansby Swanson ready to be the man for the Cubs? He certainly will have plenty of time to figure it out. Seven years. Yeah, <laughs> the Cubs aren't exactly World Series contenders necessarily in 23. So, like, in some ways he can ease into it, but but I get your point to the column. You, you, you know, when you make it 177 and you're really kind of the lone star in the team, a lot of focus on you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I used as a kind of a reference point, different situation, but, you know, when the Cubs signed Lester and I asked Swanson basically the same question I asked Lester like eight years ago, <laughs> you know, how, how are you going to deal with this? The big contract. I think I just prefaced it with a contract with Lester, but, you know, Swanson was, you know, the, the Cubs being in the situation where they really need a star. And Lester gave this really good answer about how he's experienced it in Bo- everything he's had to experience in Boston and yada, yada, yada. And I went back to him like two years later or a year and a half later, and he was like, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> he, basically said, <laughs> he basically said he put all that pressure on himself, and it ruined his first year, you know, at least the beginning of it, and he learned from it. And I asked Swanson today the same thing, and Swanson's like, well, you guys don't know the pressure I was under in Atlanta, yada, 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 and that's great, but let's be honest, he was on Freddie Freeman's team in Atlanta, right? I mean, that was yeah. for the majority of it, it was Freddie's team, and there was other veterans there, and yeah, there was young players, they called Swanson the sheriff, yada, whatever, but he had other people and he did, like you said, he doesn't have that now. I mean, there is no, like, there's almost nothing. You got, you got Cody Bellinger on a one-year deal. You got Nico Horner who just really had his first real season in the majors and, and that, and like Jan Gomes, you know, I mean, right. like, you, just, you just don't have a lot of position players, you know, Ian Happ for sure, you know, whatever, but he, he, it's, it's Dansby Swanson. He's going to be the guy. I mean, we're going to be going to him. He's going to have to deal with us every day. I don't know. I don't know what it's like in Atlanta, but, I don't know if they have you and Gordon in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> He's kind of like um, uh, Rizzo in 13 or 14. Like he started to be the face of it before, you know, sort of other stars emerged. So you're right. He's going to have to to wear it. I think Nico can be a good sidekick for that as well. Now that he's been in the league a few years, it's going to be a nice one, two combo for, for the media and reporters and, and to, to sort of explain what's going on in that locker room and on the field. But you're right. I mean, look, Jason Hayward felt the weight to the contract and, you know, it, it's we can't determine if you know the, what the connection between the contract and how you perform on the field is, but we, we just have to assume that the weight affects you, right? It can't be nothing. I mean, Lester it has said to be, it, it. It has to be something. You know, yeah, I didn't even. I remember when Lester said this to me. It was just his locker one day in 2016. I didn't expect him to say to be that honest about it. He said it absolutely affected him because he felt like he had to come in and, and carry the team and be this guy. Now, will Swans, does Swanson feel the same way? You know, it's a little bit of a different scenario. Uh, you know, I think Lester had to carry a little more with him. But Swanson, I think, you know, just talking to him, and then you've talked to a lot of people about him, I mean, he's a confident guy and, like, really kind of a magnetic type of yeah. personality. So I, I think he can wear it well. But listen, let's be honest. He's not – and I've heard you talk about this. Like, he's good, but he's not, like, the best hitter we've ever seen here or anything. You know what I mean? He's, he, he has some stuff to prove as well. 
Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is he was the number one overall pick. So confidence and pressure goes a- along with it. Been, you know, he's, he's felt it for years. What I thought was interesting, though, is he said this today, that he, 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 as a leader, he kind of merged last season. And I think it's obvious why. That was Freddie Freeman's team. Freddie Freeman moves on. Now someone has to fill that void. Right. And I think when you're the all-star shortstop, I think that's obvious. You're, you're the guy, right? And, and you're the hometown kid as well. So I think a lot sort of went into, into his game and, and, and maturity last year in particular, and he merged better for it. And, and he's bringing that to Chicago. So I think those are all the positives, but you're right. He was the fourth best offensive shortstop available that they, that they got, and he even knows that. Yeah, and, and if you didn't know that, Sylvie reminded him of it yes, earlier in the show today. Where Sylvie, I was cracking up. Sylvie's like, how do you feel about being the consolation prize? Like, you know, that right, kind of question. Right. And, and Swanson's probably thinking to himself, who, who is this guy? Is this guy <laughs> call me a consolation prize? But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's pretty clear. I mean, look at the money this guy's got. And look what he, like, you know, I mean, he got a very healthy amount of money. Don't get me wrong. And they, the per annual is about the same for all these guys because they stretch those other deals out. But yeah, he was like the fourth guy and fourth guy, in a, you know, I mean, yeah, I heard people call him the Carlos Boozer of it. I don't think, you know, I don't think that's no. really the case because Boozer's weakness was defense on a team that was pride, you know, that was great on defense. So that's kind of why he stood out. I think Swanson is going to be an excellent player. And I think, you know, he talked about getting better and how he knows he has to get better. And I think it's kind of funny. He asked the Cubs how they're going to make him better. And I'll be like, hey, buddy, this is the wrong team that's going to teach you how to hit. You're gonna you get ready to meet about six different hitting coaches, and you're you know if if you're but, I, but, I, but I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I think you heard it today. If you picked up on it, he he basically said once he took his his uh, evolution into his own hands, things started to improve. Meaning he's got his own hitting guy, and that's right. that's that'll be something good for Patrick and Saad to dive into, especially spin right there. Um, he's got his own hitting guy, and that has helped him these last couple of years. And you know that's that's what he's talking about when he when he when he says taking it into his own hands. So it's not just on the Cubs. I mean, hitting coaches. To, I, I say this with much respect. Are a dime a dozen with major league teams these days. So it's it's, yeah. it's more. Yeah. No, these guys it, all have their own. Like you yeah. talked about, I heard you talking about their own coaches. And think about it. I mean, that's how. Um, that's how Ethan Katz got the job at the White Sox. Is he was basically, you know, Lucas Giolito's off-season hitting coach. Yeah, because because they knew each other. So yeah, this this kind of you know specific coaching is going on everywhere. But yeah, Swanson. I mean, he's just got to prove it. He's got to prove. You know, was he had like a one sixteen uh, weighted runs created plus this year? That was the best. You know, at sixteen percent better than the average hitter in a down year. You know, offensively, it, it's. It can't be like that's the peak he's got to continue. It's he's got to get better. Like when I see left, that, it was like, I, I, I might disagree with that. If he's just that, I can live with that. Look, you can only be what you are, and that was pretty darn good. He got signed to this contract because of that. If he's just that, I can live with that. All right. Well, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know, it works out for the Cubs. You're right. I mean, listen, as long as he's not below, you yes. Know, like yeah. a ninety, because he, he's been that before in some yes, of these he years. Has. He's had he's had below one hundred, you know, below average basically numbers. So yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Like if it's like that, but you would like to think he's gonna be even better. And, and I think Lester, you know, once he Lester's twenty sixteen was amazing. It was as good as any year he's ever had. So you know, hopefully that's the the path he follows, and he doesn't follow, like, frankly, the you know Hayward's path. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, like Hayward, right. but like you know, he he came. He was the last position player they've signed to this big of a deal you know long of a deal and you know it was just a never it never worked 
never worked. And, you know, Suzuki had some growing pains last year. Now that had other reasons attached to it. So I, I do think you can't make a judgment right away. There's plenty of free agents no. that, yeah. that show up and it's tough the first little while. And the fact is they're not winning the world series next year anyway. So let's just see how this thing grows. Visiting with John Greenberg from the athletic three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. If you want to jump on. Um, so I asked the question at the top of the show, like, where are you with the Cubs and especially ownership, right? We always have all these hot takes about ownership um, and they're, they're never beloved in, in town. Um, but people liked Ricketts during the you know last decade and then things dried up at the end of the decade and, no, oh, he's not ever going to spend again. He's pocketing the money, and now he's spending again. Like, um, do you get the roller coaster that people have been on, or do you think that they that they weren't really like taking a step back to watch? Where are you with 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 uh, Ricketts and ownership, and just the vibe he has in the city? Well, like here's my my thing with it. Like, I think fans need to remember, and I see this a lot. And I see it every day on you know on Twitter or wherever else that people yeah. call him a billionaire. He's not a billionaire, and I think people don't get it that he, they're like, well, his dad has the money, but like. They don't like. We've been very clear on how this works. His dad put money in an account for the kids to, to, you know, buy something or create a business. They use that money to buy the Cubs. Like his dad has no role. His dad, the billionaire, has no role in the team. He's not giving them any more money. That's like very obvious. So, you know, that's one thing. So people can call they call him a billionaire. That's the thing that's wrong. Now, what's not wrong is you know I don't think he's cheap, but he's not a dynamic owner, right? He's not Steve Cohen. <laughs> He's no, not even and I wrote close. today, like how, you know, Dansby Swanson's like, oh, Mr. Ricketts, you know, he's a great guy. He knew my parents' names. I'm like, listen, we all know he's good with chit-chat. You know, he's a nice guy, but Steve Cohen's probably, like, not the guy that's going to remember your parents' names. <laughs> right. He's the guy that's going to steal Carlos Correa in the middle of the night. Right. And that's the kind of owner you want. Like, I don't care. I mean, Tom Ricketts handing out baseballs at a game is fine. <laughs> my kids and their – my son and his friends actually took a picture with him. We took the kids for their like uh, fifth grade graduation last year. And we, as we were leaving, they ran into Tom Ricketts. And they, I like hid behind a uh, thing so you didn't see me. And yeah, Ricketts took a picture with all the kids, these fifth graders. And that's great. But like, wouldn't you rather have the guy that other owners fear? Of course, of course. But, but he's not Bob Nutting either. One, you know, your guy. in, in, no, in uh, no. Well, so so there's, I mean, there's, like, there's a happy there's medium. Listen, there's a happy Tom, in between. With this deal right now is, I don't think, I, I think it's great that, you know, the Cubs did it. They need it for the fans. They need it for the team. I don't think this is anything to hold a parade for Tom Ricketts over. It's not like he did anything that fantastic. We signed one, this is the second position player they've signed to, a, you know, or the, what is it, the third player overall, they've signed a $100 million plus dollar contract. And that's with losing every single one of their, their players except Kyle Hendricks. So right. in my opinion, like, you can't call him, like, extremely cheap. You can't say, oh, he's a billionaire not spending money. But what you can say is we all, and I wrote this say, we all like expected after the World Series, after they did redid Wrigley, and after they, you know, built their hotels and everything else in Ricketsville, we expected this team to be a financial powerhouse, right? I mean, yeah. did anyone not expect it? And they're not, you know, they're, they're still not. Now it's, they're, they're like, they operate like, you know, like how you think the Braves would operate, right? Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just in your answer though, it, it, in your in your whole answer, there's nuance to it. You know, you yeah. you 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 went back and forth on it a little bit, and I agree with you. There's there's you can't just say it's not just black and white with with no. this ownership, and I, so it's maybe it's a more measured approach. Is that is that a good way of saying? Because I do think if they're ready to win something, he will be there with it, like he was the first time. But he's not ready to be Steve Cohn. He's never going to be. He's not ready to be, and he's never going to be. 
never going to be. It's just not going to happen. That's just because he runs things like, you know, money in, money, money coming in, money coming out. I mean, you know, better than I do, like the financial machinations that Theo had to go through to get money. It wasn't like, hey, sign whoever you want. It was sign whoever you want, but you've got to do this, this, and this. And we've got to backload this money, mm-hmm. and put this, you know, and, and look at it. Look at some of these deals that have been announced. Like I've seen, you know, the numbers come through. It doesn't seem like a lot of guys are making a big money this year. You know, it seems like they're pushing it around a little bit. You know, guys are making different, you know, I think Cody Bellinger is making 12 and then a five and a half next year. I think, yeah, I think, I think is backloaded, I think, right. And I think I Swanson's Swanson is a little backloaded. Yeah. Yeah. Swanson, so I think is only making like 13 this year. When when Marquis start, starts dropping uh, yeah, you know, right. wheelbarrows of money, then then they'll they'll be paid. But anyway, um, it's it, it's a big contract, and um, you know at least today you got to give ownership some credit for doing it. John, hold on, we got to take a break. I want to get you on the Bears and the Bulls. You wrote columns on both those teams recently, so uh, I want to stay with you on that. John Greenberg from the Athletic, my guest Jesse Rogers here till seven thirty, filling in for Bleck and Abdallah on ESPN one thousand. This is Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah, ESPN 1000, and now on Digital FM at 100.3 HD2. All right, hope you're having a good Wednesday evening. We got uh, the New Orleans Bowl coming up at 7.30, Western Kentucky and South Alabama. Jesse Rogers. Here till then, filling in for Black and Abdallah. We're talking to John Greenberg from The Athletic. Great, fine columnist. He's been all over town lately. Was at Wrigley Field today for the Dansby Swanson press conference. Bears and Bulls columns lately as well. The Bulls, I see what, they've given up like 30 points in a quarter and a half in Atlanta. So that defensive mentality has carried over at least so far from last night. And I'm so down, John, on, on Billy Donovan. I almost feel like... What happened last night, maybe even the carryover tonight, wasn't because of anything he did. It's because everything became public, and this team became embarrassed. I don't know. I, I'm not there. I don't know that. But it does feel like since uh, these stories came out and, the, and, and, and this, this little fight spat they had in Minnesota, they, they played better. And I don't know if Billy Donovan has anything to do with it. Am I, am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's always kind of been up to the players, and I think Billy understands that. You know, it's a veteran team now. It's not a it's not a young rebuilding team where he's going to have the sway over it. I mean, he's not going to tell Demar Derozan how to play. I don't think Zach apparently that doesn't sound like actually listening to him that much. Yeah. Um, you know, part of me wonders just by his reaction. You know, just from what I saw and, and from what I've read, if you know, I'm not saying Billy was the source of anything, but he doesn't seem upset that it that it got out. I'll say no, that. I think sometimes you need the the media to help you out a little bit. A hundred percent, you know that. And I, I think he seemed pretty actually happy that it, that it got out, you know, because it, whether or not he had any role in that, because yeah, he, these teams, I think he, they needed like some embarrassment and this yeah. was kind of like, they've been getting embarrassed on the floor. And I think they need a little more. I was there on Friday after that bad loss to the Knicks, that really bad loss to the Knicks. Um, and it was interesting. And like, yeah, these guys always talk, but like Zach always talked, he's talked after, probably more losses than any player in the NBA, <laughs> but he was very short and he was not, he just seemed to be in kind of a bad mood, worse than usual. Usually he's very easy going with the media, no matter what. And he still talked, but he, he was definitely very terse. I would say DeMar was just usual. DeMar is very good at explaining things with metaphors and things like that. Mm-hmm. But 
I, you definitely. I mean, that was a, that loss. I mean, no, I know we're saying the Timberwolves won the buck fifty. You know, was the low point, but that second loss to the Knicks at home, you know, two days after their previous loss, was just as bad because they were down thirty. You know, before making a run to go down, they they lost by like twenty three. Yeah. It, it was definitely it's been trending down for a while there well that the arc of all three games was just disastrous you know you lose the yeah. first one at home it's close okay but then to play the same team two days later at home and get destroyed and then you think that's not embarrassing enough we go to minnesota and give up a, a buck 50 the whole thing was a disaster so uh some credit last night we'll see what happens t- today so here's my question just including the front office i mean maybe it's a difficult one to answer to pick one but Front office coaching play. What what's the most disappointing thing about them from day one to this point? You know, I mean, I, I that's a tough question. I, I would yeah. just put on the players because they yeah. have, enough, as Tibbs would say, they have more than enough to win. Like you know, I, I think I wrote beginning of the season like this is not a championship team, but this should not be a sub five hundred team either. You know, there is a middle ground. I know fans hate that and they hate the idea of the middle ground. And, and limbo, and, and you know, Silvio always calls it like, yeah. Uh, could their record be reversed? Could their record be reversed? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, it could be for sure, but it's, you know, I mean, let, let's remember you and I talked to, to Reinsdorf. You know, Reinsdorf only came over because you were there, but we were standing on the fence this year, and we were just casually talking to him, and we mentioned the Bulls, and he basically just said, I think you were like, what happened to them? And he said they lost the point guard, you yeah. know, about Lonzo. And that's still the, and it's still that. You know, Lonzo went out last year in January, and they said six to eight weeks. Yeah, and it's a year. Yeah, and he's and every and every update is more is like just as depressing as the one before. I mean, we've had updates like I can't walk up steps. You know, um, yeah. He's. I think there was one yeah. the other day where Billy said he's he's close to like warming up to being able to run. I mean, <laughs> like a year later, it's, it's and I feel bad for him. Yeah, but that's it's decimated this team. I mean, this team was the way this team was built. You absolutely had to have a point guard like Lonzo. Yeah, but I, I, I know, still feel like yeah, my criticism of Donovan still holds. Like, okay, that was tough last year, but you had the entire summer in training camp. Uh, the news wasn't a surprise to the Bulls that he was out, no. right? I mean, and no. so and you and you really didn't fix anything. And the front office is involved in that as well. There's enough blame to go around. Visiting with John Greenberg from the Athletic, I, I, I want to get to the Bears as well. Um, again, another tough one for you. Uh, you've covered them. Having seen what you've seen, which includes just the front office, Justin Fields, the coaching, and without knowing anything that's going to happen in the offseason, can you pr- project enough confidence in this whole group that a year from now we're talking about a team that's knocking on the playoff door or even in it? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, look okay. at some of the teams at the bottom of the playoff race right now. I mean, the Giants – you know, I mean, some of these teams aren't very good, you know, that that are at the, the bottom of the playoff race. Absolutely. Like, I think sometimes in this town, we, we go too much on, you know, either they're the worst team in the world so they can get the number one pick or they have to be, you know, championship contenders. You know, I think the Bears, if if they just become a playoff team again, would be fantastic. I mean, I, I think they could do it, but it's going to take like a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm only saying they can do it because I don't think it's that difficult in the NFL. But right. the Bears do not have a lot. They've got like maybe ten players at that at max that that might be playing on a playoff team. I mean, and that's got why a lot of work yeah. to do. And that's why I say it's it's really about faith and confidence in the people in charge. Have they shown you enough? Especially the quarterback, but certainly Ryan Pole. I mean, really, it's it's about Fields, Poles, and then Eberflus is probably 
in my opinion, uh, third by a long shot. A hundred percent because yeah. polls has to polls has a lot of work to do. And I mean, we're going to be debating on what the bears should do with that number two pick for like three months. Yes, ready for three months of should oh, they draft no. or should they trade questions because that, you know, that's that is, is that is made for sports radio. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, Fields is the literally, I, I, I'd say he's the only positive, really positive story in Chicago sports for the entire year. You could say yeah. like Dylan ceases Cy sure. Young runner up, but I mean, who, but in the context of the White Sox, who cares? Right. Um, it was literally like, that's the only positive story is Justin Fields is, you know, maturation and kind of his in season improvement because at the end of the year, he looked like he didn't look that great, but I, have there, has there been another positive story this year and until today's Dansby Swanson signing? We have five minutes left. Um, and this is obviously another great sports radio topic, right? What, what, you know, who's the next team that's going to win a championship in town? And you know, whoever it is, it's probably five years away. Like all the losing that, that goes on and in five minutes, there's no way you can answer this, but do is it is it uh, something about us? Do we demand enough? Uh, like some of this stuff wouldn't go on in New York for very long. Of course, it goes on in New York and Philly and these places, but it, it feels like it wouldn't go on for very long. Prisoner of the I don't moment. Buy that. Okay, I don't buy that New York crap. Okay. Uh, how many New York teams have won titles in recent years? You know, right. I mean. Who's won a title? When's the last time the Yankees have won anything? Right, right, but, but yeah, but it's not not just about that. You're they're pushed to do something to to at least well, attempt to win one. Well, I think it's also they're pushing themselves because these people that own teams in New York know they own teams in New York. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks are a disaster. You know, the Rangers are bad because you know Dolan ownership. So Steve Cohen thinks new. I mean, remember the Wilpons, the Mets are the biggest joke in baseball. You know, is I don't think it's us. I, I hate that okay. fan stuff because you know what. Like, here's the thing. Going to a game is not about, like, I hate when people are like, oh, everyone should boycott the games. They're like, why? Most of these most sports fans are casual sports fans that just want, like, a night out. You know what I mean? They just want to go experience. I, I, I've never park. advocated that either, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't think it's, I think it's the owners. I mean, I, I've laughed because, like, how, do, how does New York get Steve Cohen and, and you know, Chicago is Jerry Reinsdorf for, like, 50 years? You well, that's know, the thing, like, but, but, but for 50 years, but when Jerry sells, maybe we'll get the next Steve Cohen, you know, if and uh, when Jerry sells. No, you're a hundred percent right. That's the next time because obviously when the Cubs sold, they you know they didn't get the next Steve Cohen. They got Tom Ricketts, who's you know listen. They won a World Series with him. He did it. He did what the Tribune Company couldn't do, what Wrigley family you know couldn't do for all those years. So Tom should get some credit for that. But he is not the dynamic, you know, throwing money around owner. Jerry obviously is not that person. And there's not many Wirtz, out there. Wirtz, let's 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 listen, give them Wirtz, at least that. Yeah, give, give Wirtz credit when when they were a championship contender. I mean, I. I think he's probably the one owner that can say just on the team alone, he did lose money because hockey has no media rights deals. You know, their media rights deals are terrible, but what it, but what he did make money on was, he owns half the United center. So, and and he, and he supplies all the booze to the United center. So I think he did pretty well for himself in those years, but Rocky has been the only one that's really shown the stomach of any owner in town. Rocky for those years showed the stomach to spend money. Yeah. And, And you know, he would have spent more if it wasn't for the NHL salary cap rules. True. All right, we got to wrap up Saturday. Um, I don't expect you to be at Soldier Field, but you you no, you'll go. be. It's a it's a it's kind of like a fun watch, right? That with the with yeah, the no. weather. I'm gonna. I'm. I, I'd say as long as I can get out of my house, you know, I'm gonna go. See, that's why you're the best in the business. Yep, you are the that's best. It. In the that's bi- the reason. Because I show up. Yes, when it's that cold and you show up to a game that you're not the beat reporter for, I give you credit. Thank you. Appreciate it, Jesse. Be, 
I will be on my couch for t- hey, twelve and hours. And be nice day. to uh, be nice to Charlie. He was a, a student of mine. You know, I taught him uh, at DePaul for a couple of classes. And, you know, I never told him the downside of this business is one day. You know, whenever <laughs> you know, Christmas break, you're going to be producing for Jesse at night. <laughs> I, so I knew I, I couldn't get away with a half hour with the, with you without a shot. I couldn't get away with it. No, I, I knew it. I need to get a shot. Uh, Charlie's good despite your teaching. There's a shot back at you, <laughs> John. Thank you. We'll be reading the empty athletic. Great job. All right, thanks, man. We got to go to the New Orleans Bowl. Thanks for listening, folks. Black and Abdallah will be back soon. Have a great holiday season. Stay safe the next few days. Stay tuned for the Holiday Bowl. I'm sorry, the New Orleans Bowl. It's Western Kentucky versus South Alabama. Thank you, Charlie and Nick, for producing. So long, everybody.